upset. But we're in the last week of, of Love Connection, and, and today we're going to talk about the love rule. I've kind of entitled it the love rule, but it is what we classically know as the golden rule. It's the rule about how we treat one another, amen? Uh, how we treat one another. We're coming from Matthew uh, 7, verse 12. Matthew 7, verse 12. Um, a simple scripture, um, but it's very impactful in what Jesus is saying to us here. Uh, it says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For the sum up, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Let me say that again. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Amen. In 1902, there was a general store uh, that uh, was started and, and that was created. And this store uh, adopted the name the Golden Rule Store. Uh, in later years, as this one general store uh, got established and, and started growing in business, it started to open up other general stores under that same name, the Golden Rule Store. The owner of the store tried his best uh, to live a life that was focused on treating others with respect, with kindness, with understanding and encouragement. He, in essence, treated others the way that he wanted to be treated. In fact, uh, he didn't even like to use the word employees at his store. He, he wouldn't call them employees. He would call them associates because he believed that, that they were working together uh, to build this business and to serve uh, their customers. Years later, uh, even up to this day, this general store has become a multi-billion dollar business that now goes by the name of its founder, J.C. Penney. And it was all because Mr. Penny believed that the golden rule was how we should live our lives. As we end this series on love connections, the relationship principles of Jesus, we've been talking about how does Jesus want us to have relationship with one another. We've covered in week one, we talked about the great, greatest commandment, and that was to love God. And the second commandment was to love one another. We dealt with that in relationships matters. Um, the next week we dealt with the new commandment that Jesus gave to us to say that we should love one another just like he loves us. And then last week we talked about how that our hearts and our words are connected together in heart talk. And today we're simply wanting to close it out. We're talking about how, how we treat one another is really a manifestation of the love of God in our lives. So when we look at Matthew chapter 7... This is a continuation of the, of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous sermon in which he preaches and he deals with all kinds of relationship issues. Uh, he, he focuses on how we should live our lives and how, who will be blessed and who will not be blessed by the things that they do in their lives. And so in chapter 7, he's continuing on and he introduces a new standard of how we should love everyone. That it implies that, that this new standard has the ability to radically change our lives if we will be willing to make that commitment to live that way. But yet, lurking off to the side of this, this life-changing principle is one big question. If I treat others the way that I want them to treat me, how do I get my needs met in this relationship? That's, that's, the, that's the, the elephant in the room, right? 
this elephant in the room. Because in every relationship, no matter how uh, selfish we, uh, selfless we say we want to be, no matter how we say we want to put the other person first, at the end of the day, we all are selfish and we're worried about my needs. How am I going to get my needs met? How, how am I going to get what, what I want out of this relationship? Friends, this brings us to really my, my first principle that Jesus wants us to see here. And that is, I must give myself to meeting others' needs first if I'm going to get my needs met. I, I, must, I must give myself to meeting the needs of others in order for me to get my needs met. In other words, the only way that I'm going to get my selfish needs met is that I have to first learn how to be unselfish. Now, this is, this is a, a radical principle um, in, in, in our world. But, but if we look through the Bible, Jesus, time after time, continues to, to, to teach us this. Matthew 16 and 24, he says, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. He says, he says put yourself second and follow me. Matthew 10 and 39 says, to those who will lose their life for my sake will find it. Matthew, I mean, uh, Philippians 2 and 7 talks about how that Jesus came down from heaven and he took the form of a servant. He, he came down from being at the, 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 the top of the ladder. He came down to the very bottom to come to earth to serve us. And 1 Corinthians 13 and 5 says that love is not self-serving. That, that the true essence of love is not about serving you but it's about serving one another. But when it comes to getting our, our needs met, this, this principle really contradicts how we live and, and how we think in our society today. Because we, we have a different set of rules other than the golden, golden rule. We, we have the rule called the reciprocal rule. The reciprocal rule. This says, whatever you do for me, that's what I'll do for you. Whatever you do for me first, then I'll reciprocate that to you. If you scratch my back, right, this is what we hear. If you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You see, it starts with what you do for me. I don't say I'll scratch your back and then you see. No, it says if you scratch mine first, then I'll scratch yours. This rule is really an assumption that we've earned the kindness of other people. That, that, that basically we're, we're on this ladder and, and on this pedestal that everybody basically should come and bow down to us or come and lift us up or come and serve us first. The same in this, in this, in this relationship. This is, not, this is not about selflessness or service, but it's about selfishness. The second kind of rule that the world lives by is the ricochet rule. It's due to someone based on what the other person has done to you. Right? Right? You know, if you treat me good, I treat you good. But if you mess over me, I'm going to mess you up. You know? Come on. I mean, isn't that how we live? You know? Soon as somebody does something, I'm going to get them. You know? That, that's our mindset. It's, it's, the, it's the ricochet rule. The way I've been treated in other relationships control how I treat the person that I'm in relationship now. Think about that. 
Think about that. That, that. that we carry all that baggage with us from one relationship, whether that's a relationship, a love relationship, whether that's a relationship with our parents or a relationship with an ex-spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or whoever that might be, or a relationship on, on another job. We take all of that and we put it in this big trunk called our baggage trunk and we carry it into the new relationship. And so then we treat them, the new person, based off of how we've been treated in the other relationship. I give you give you an example. Take take a couple, a, a, a girl and a man who enters a relationship, and and the woman has come out of a relationship that was was not good, and she enters into a new relationship, and and one of the first things that we always say, and, and women, you know, you say it too, is you know what, I, I'm I'm not gonna take what I took in in that last relationship, right? You know, amen, see, I'm, uh, uh, if this joker thinks that I'm going to take what I took the last time, no, that's not going to happen here. And so, it, it, and it implies that in the new relationship that the new person even has the intention or the idea or the thoughts to do the same kind of things. And sometimes we mess up new relationships in our lives because we're basing that relationship off of what we've been through. We're treating that new person uh, uh, based off of how we've been treated before. In other words, because we couldn't control the situation we used to be in, now we want to control the one that we're in now. So the, the, rico the, ricochet, the ricochet rule. And, and parents, I, I want to encourage you because this is important. This, this is important when we deal with our children. Because how we treat our children has impact on how they will treat other people. It, it, it has impact and effect on how they will grow up and, and view relationship. They, they see our relationships and how we, how we deal with one another and, and how we deal with others. And it has impact on how they will live out their future. The third rule the world lives by that's, that's different is the hidden motive rule. It basically says, I act like I'm doing it for you, but it's really to get what I want. Now, come on, we, we know we do that. We, 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 we convince ourselves in our minds that, that I'm, I'm really, I'm doing it for them. I'm being selfless. I, I, I'm serving. But we know in the back of our minds, especially when you're in a relationship, that if I do certain things, I know what the result will be. Amen? Uh, men, keep it serious. It, you know that if you do certain things, that you'll get some of the attention that you want out of your wives. Amen. And women vice versa. So we it's the hidden motive rule that I, I'm going to act like I'm doing it for you. I'm going to act like I'm doing it for you. We all done it. But I'm really, I'm doing it because I want to get what I want. Friends, how do we overcome these other rules that, that dictate our everyday existence? We overcome it by asking ourselves what I want people to do for me. Then I do it for them. What what? What do, what do I want people to do for me? How do I want people to treat me? How, how do I want to be loved? And instead of sitting back waiting for that, I do it for someone else. We all know that the golden rule, this, this act, and this was a struggle for me uh, preparing this sermon because God is speaking to me and telling me how I need to, to apply this to my own life. But we all understand that this is not easy. It's easier said than done. We, we understand that it's, it's easy to talk about uh, treating other people right, but putting the action behind it is hard. We've all been there where we've instead applied the golden rule that we get into a standoff in our relationships, right? 
And that things happen in our relationships and we get in a standoff and, and we say, well, if you don't meet my needs, so I'm not going to meet your needs. And then before we know it, we're going back and forth and now we've down, we spiral down to a point where we can't get resolution to anything because, because I'm not going to be the first to give in. Come on, and we've been in those kind of situations before where we say, look, I get, last time I gave in, this time, mm-mm. You say you say you're sorry first this time. That is that is what happens when our focus is on us and not on serving one another. It is at that moment that we have to that we have to develop and and, and ask God to give us a heart like Him. Ask Him to turn our hearts around in our relationships so that we can grow the way God wants us to grow. The second principle is this. We talked about it. I can't get my needs met unless I meet your needs. That's, that's radical. That's different. Um, because we think if I get mine met, then I'll meet yours. But the second principle is this. That love is not reciprocal. Love is not reciprocal. Love is sacrificial. In other words, that the expectation that, that if you give love, that you're going to get love, that's false. It, 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 that's, that's false because that is, should not be the basis to why you love, to why you treat other people right because you're going to get let down. Love is sacrificial. Let me give you the perfect picture of, this, of how love is not reciprocal but it's sacrificial. Jesus hangs on the cross. Paint this picture. Hangs on the cross in pain. His back is whipped and, and, and his back, the whip back is pressed against the thorns and the, and the wood that's embedded uh, behind him. His hands and his feet throb with pain from the piercing of the nails. His eyes are blurred with blood that is running down from the crown of thorns that has been pressed down into his head. He's gasping for just one simple breath of air. As, he, as he's dealing with all of this pain, all of this suffering, and having difficulty breathing. He hears the, the ridicule and the, and the laughter of his enemies that are standing around the cross mocking him, telling him, if you are the son of God, come down. If you're Jesus, save yourself. Call on the angels. All the while this is happening, at this moment, he could have lashed out in anger. He could have lashed out in frustration. He could have said, God, you know what? I'm done. They don't deserve it. Take me off of this cross. But look at Jesus' response. He responds in a simple prayer. He says, Father, forgive them. Love is sacrificial. It's not reciprocal. Because the love that Christ gave us on Calvary's cross, we can't reciprocate towards him. There's nothing that we can do to, to pay him back for that. There's, no, there's nothing we can say that, 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 can, that can alleviate the suffering that he had on the cross. But he didn't do it because he wanted something back from us. He did it because his love was sacrificial. Friends, the golden rule is the picture of what true love is. That it's not reciprocal, but it's sacrificial. That love gives without wanting something in return. That the expectation of why we love is not because uh, I'm wanting you to do something for me, but it's because God first loved me. And, and, and because he loves me, he's called me to love everybody else. Can I give, can, let's, we have to ask ourselves these questions. Can I give when it might cost me everything? 
but cost them nothing? Can, can I give and can I love with no expectation of receiving anything back? Can, can I love beyond my family and my friends even to the point that I can love those who I know are my enemies? Can, can I give up on an addiction that I know is destroying my family? Can, can, I, can I let go of, of what my parents did to me so that my children can have all of my love? Can, can I choose to be faithful to my spouse no matter what situation we're going through today? Can, can I give the very best on my job even if I know that I'm not going to get the recognition that I deserve? Can I, can I love sacrificially? The truth is, friends, that we can't. We're not capable, but God can. You can only love this way through the strength that God alone can give us. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things by Christ Jesus who strengthens me. The need to receive the power from God to live the golden rule is confirmed when Jesus said in Luke 6.36, he says, Try to show as much compassion as your father does. Try to, try to love as much as God loves. Because God does not distinguish. The Bible lets us know that we were all enemies of God. Because of our sin, because of our rejection of him. We were all his enemy. But God loved us enough that the Bible says, For God so loved the world. Those that chose to become his enemy, that he gave all that he had to us. In other words, my relationships with others is not merely molded by what I want, but by the example God provides. How does God treat people? Friends, we, we have to make a decision today to love this way and ask God to empower us with that love. Who isn't afraid to love like this? Who, who isn't afraid to, to put uh, yourself out there knowing that you might not get anything in return? Who, aren't we all afraid that, that if, we, if we make ourselves and open ourselves up to be vulnerable by showing love and treating other people right, that, that we don't know what we'll get back in return? But friends, let me tell you this. God is greater than any fear that you will ever have. If, if we focus on what God is calling us to do, not on what people will do, but what God is calling us to do, he will, he will give us just what we need. Principle number three. Principle number three. Jesus calls us to put our love into action. He calls us to put our love into action. Matthew 5, 38 through 42 provides us an example of how we can put love into action and live out the golden rule. Uh, Jesus, he focuses here in this chapter. Again, this is a part of that, that Sermon on the Mount. He focuses on the hardest situation to love, and that is to love your enemies. I don't know about you, but it's hard to love people that you know have done something wrong to you. Amen? And so Jesus, here in Matthew 5, gives us, gives us uh, these verses that say this. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. 
But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, then you go two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Let's break this down. He says in, in verse 39, You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. This simply means that what you do to me, I'm going to do to you. In, 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 that, in that culture at that time, they lived by the rule that, that whatever you did to me, that I could reciprocate that to you. So that if you stole something from me, then I had the right to go take something from you. That, that, that if, if, if you murdered uh, someone in my, I had the right to go and murder someone in your family. And that was the idea, an eye for an eye, two for a two. But Jesus is telling us that we have to choose love over hate and revenge. What does the Bible say about revenge? It says revenge belongs to who? Who? God. The revenge is not ours to take. It only belongs to God. Because who, who, who of us can say that, that, that we're greater than anybody else? Who, who, which one of us can say that, 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 that I, can, I can go and act and take revenge on somebody that's done something to me? Well, then why couldn't somebody come and take revenge on us for what we've done to them? So revenge only, only is in the hands of God. And so he's telling us to love and forget about that. Relationships often do not go the way we want them to go. Can anybody give, does anybody have an example in your life that relationships went exactly the way you wanted them to go? They don't, they don't exist. Is that, is that Jim, Jimmy Ken? Is that y'all? Praise the Lord. We, we got, amen. Let's give them praise. Amen. Thank God that we have somebody. But for the rest of us, relationships just don't go the way we want them to go. But the rule must be applied when relationships are good or when they're bad. You see, we, 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 we're, we're good with, with treating other people right when, when everything is good. But, but it's when the things are bad, that, that, that's where it kind of changes, right? That, that we're not interested in treating others the way that we should when things are not bad. But look at how he goes further. Let's look at this. He says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek also. That's hard, right? <laughs> now, 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 let's take a step back because Jesus was not simply saying that we needed to, to be doormats or that we needed to just let people assault us. That, that, that's not what Jesus was saying. What Jesus was trying to get us to understand is that we need to experience and express vulnerable love. Meaning that I choose to love enough that I will, I will turn and look away with the hopes that if I do that and I show that level of love, that the person's heart will change. That's a vulnerable type of love. Then he says, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give them your coat. Now, we live in a society where, where, where litigation is high and people sue over everything, right? Everything and anything. You know, if, you, if your dog pooped in my yard, I'm taking you to court because you killed my grass. You know, we, we, will, we will sue over anything. But Jesus is not, is not just saying that, that we should give up. But he's saying that love should be generous, that we should give beyond measure for the possibility of restoring a relationship. Sometimes you got to give in just to make the relationship right again. 
then you, you know, sometimes people spend so much time fighting and fighting and fighting over stuff and over things and over issues that don't really have anything to do with either one of them. And God is saying, you know what, sometimes you just have to be the bigger person. You have to be the bigger person and say, okay, what, you want my shirt? Here, here's my jacket too. Here's my jacket too. I love you. Then look, he says, give to the one who asked you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow. He said, this is the practical kind of love. It says that if they need it, don't just let, lend it to them, just let them have it. You know, so sometimes, uh, and, and I know, you know, when we talk about borrowing stuff, especially money, well, we, ooh, you, know, you get some people around up like, wait, what? You're borrowing money. But sometimes you just have to give with the expectation you're not going to get it back. Now, now, that doesn't make it right for the other person not to give it back to you. But, but sometimes you have to say, look, I have a practical love enough that if I know that a person's in need, I'm going to give. They might say they're going to borrow it. That's fine. If you want to pay me back, that's fine. But, but, but that's between you and God. But God has called me to bless you. And so it's a practical kind of love. In all these examples, Jesus is teaching the same thing. When someone is trying to take from you, surprise them and decide to give to them. Instead of becoming protective, vindictive, uh, wanting revenge, wanting to, to take something out on them, decide simply to love. Does this mean that we should let people walk over us? No. Jesus is not encouraging us to do that, but he's encouraging us to take control of the situation by choosing to act in radical love. See, see, we oftentimes give up control in these situations because we, we respond out of anger and, and, and in revenge rather than love. Have you, have you ever dealt with somebody that's just like doing stuff to get you riled up? And then, you know, they just do stuff and then you just, oh, you just, you know, you, you're going crazy. Who has the control? No, you don't have the control. Not in that situation. They have the control. Because they've been able to push your buttons enough that you just losing it. Jesus is saying here, in those situations, don't lose control. Don't get upset. Don't get angry. Don't want to take it out on them or take it out on somebody else. Just love. Respond in love. Say, okay. You know how we say, that's cool. No, no, that's cool. All right. I still love you. I'm going to let God handle this situation. The only way to win over our enemies is by doing good. Friends, that's why God placed us here. We're going to have enemies. There are going to be people that stand against you because of what you believe, because of who you are, because of the way you look. I mean, you know, color of your skin, what part of town you live in, you go down the line. There's going to be, there's going to be people that, that hate you and that are your enemies. And that's okay. Because enemies are needed in our lives. Because if we don't have no enemies, then we don't have, we don't have a battlefield, nor do we have a witnessing field to, to, to spread the gospel of God. God uses our enemies as, as opportunities for us to live out these things that he's trying to teach us. Every day was great. If everybody loved me and everything was good, then, then I wouldn't have the opportunity to, to show God that I can live the way he wants me to live. So our enemies give us the opportunity. But the question is, when we're encountered by our enemies in situations, do we choose to do good, do we choose to love, or do we choose to do bad? 
classic example, I can say when you're on the highway and somebody's tailgating you on the highway, you, our response is not to say, oh, I love you, brother, sister, you know, waving in the rearview mirror. We waving, but it ain't with just an open hand, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we got some of those fingers down and some still up. We're not responding in love, right? You know, I had to catch myself. It was the other day, man was tailgating me, and he went around me, and, and my first instinct was to say, man, I'm going to go track him down. I'm going to tailgate him just like he tailgated me. That's, 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 that, that's that other side of me. And I have to say, I'm just going to love him, let him go. Because, friends, I have to be honest. It's best to choose love in our society today because people are crazy. Let's be honest. You know, I mean, we have examples. People sitting in movie theaters and, and shooting people. People uh, on the side of the highway and, you know, people tailgating uh, people and them shoot. People are crazy. And the devil is only trying to, to incite people to do crazy and crazier things. So I, I think God is trying to help us and saying, you know what, just love them and let them go. Instead of trying to take revenge and anger, and then you find yourself in a situation that you can't control. There is no better example of loving your enemy than God's love for you. We were his enemies. We chose to be his enemies. We still kind of choosing to be his enemies. But God doesn't, he doesn't take revenge out on us. He doesn't rain fire down from heaven or blow up our homes or he says, I, I love you. Accept me. Accept my son. Accept what I'm trying to, to show you here. Let's close it out. We all have an idealistic view of how relationships should be. Perfect. Right? We, we expect that relationships are going to be perfect. It's going to be love all the time. We're going to love each other. and it's gonna, We're going to have those butterflies and, and all of that all the time. But the goal of love is not some false idea that we've conjured up in our minds. The goal of love is seeing God at work in our real lives. Let me say it again. The goal of love is not some idealistic fantasy that we've conjured up in our minds of perfection. But the goal of love is seeing God working in our lives. Friends, let's not make an idol out of our ideal. That our, our idea of love and relationships, we've made it an idol. And we've put it up here. And we say, this is what love is supposed to be. This is what I think it's supposed to be. And we aspire for it. We worship it. We, we, we follow it. And we reject people if they don't meet this standard. Let's not do that. Let's take every day, every ordinary day of our lives, and give it to God. And ask God to help us. To love in a new kind of way. Not a way that, that is selfish, self-motivated, but a way that is selfless and sacrificial. Ask God to help you to love uh, others the way He desires for us to love. Stop waiting for this ideal vision to come true. Uh, what you know, you know I, I, I hear people that are saying, I'm just waiting for Mr. Right. Guess what? There's no such thing. As Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. There's no such thing. The only Mr. Right that I know of is Jesus. There's no such thing. So stop waiting for this ideal vision to come true and just begin to love now. 
and recognize people are flawed. We all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. We're all messed up. We all got issues on some level. We done been jacked up in some part of our lives and we got screwed up thinking. Bottom line, we all have it. We all have it. Various levels, but we all have it. And so we all are, are, are works in progress and we all need to be reshaped and remolded by God. So let's just choose to love. Friends, the circumstances of your life won't be perfect, but guess what? We are not perfect, nor does God intend for us to be perfect here. But we are a people who love that, that are not loving for perfection, but we're loving for who is perfect. That makes sense. We're not we're not loving uh, uh, seeking perfection, but we're loving because he who is perfect has shown us the example of love. He can perfect our relationships. God can perfect our families, our homes, our community. He can produce the perfect love that we don't even know and can't even imagine what it looks like. As we recap the relationship principles of Jesus. We talked about placing the highest value on relationships. That there, that there is nothing greater than relationships with God and with one another. That he created us to be in relationship. We talked about that, that we are to love God with everything. Not just a part of us, but with all that we have. He says all of our mind, all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our strength. We love God with everything. And then we, we are to love as Jesus loves us. That, that, that we love in a way that we're willing to sacrifice, that we're willing to give beyond ourselves because that's how he loved me. That we communicate with the heart, that we, that we stop lying to one another, but we be honest and let our yeses be our yeses and our noes be our noes. And that, and that we stand up and we, we, we love from the heart, not from the head, but from the heart. And we let our hearts connect with our words so that, that what we speak, that we're speaking positive and we're speaking love into the lives of others. And then we end by saying we treat other people as we want them to treat us. We don't wait for how they treat us and determine that's how we're going to treat them. But we treat them uh, first the way that we would want to be treated. We treat them with kindness. We treat them with compassion because that's what I would want. If I was down and out, I'd want somebody to encourage me. I would want somebody to pat me on my back. I would want somebody to pick me up. I would want somebody to speak kindness to me. And so when I encounter somebody else's right there, I'm not going to wait and say they need to pick themselves up. or I'm going to come back when they get right. No, I'm going to show them the love that I would want somebody to show me. Not because it's, it's, it's what I think or not because it's, it's, it's the right thing to do, but because it is what God has done for us. This is the relationship principles of Jesus Christ. If we choose to love, and this is what our church, our motto is love God, love people. That's our motto. It, it's, not just, it, it's not just words, it's not just uh, a fancy slogan to put on our website, but it is what God has called us all and what has called this church to be. We go pick up those from the Salvation Army, not because we want more people in the building, we pick them up because we love them and because God loves them. And so if we're going to be a church that loves God and loves people, and we have to make up in our minds to choose love over everything else. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I invite you to pray this prayer. It simply goes like this. You can repeat it after me. You can say it in your minds. But it says, Jesus, I can't love this way. 
Show me how. Then give me the strength. I need your power. I want to love the way you love. I commit myself to spending the rest of my life pursuing it. I want to be like you. Jesus, I want to love like you. Thank you for loving me first. Thank you for loving me first. In your name, amen. As we close out.